0: Each moment counts, you know, in, in college. And um, I wasn't doing damage, but I also wasn't grasping every opportunity I think available to me. And, and sort of once I got my, my head in place, I understood where my priorities were. You know, I started to formulate what my future might look like and, and the goals I wanted to achieve. Um, much of that came into better scope. and I, And I found myself living in the now more.
1: Welcome to Beyond High Street. My name is Jenny Derrick and I'm the dean of the Farmer School of Business here at Miami University. Today I'm joined by Steve Catspie who graduated with a bachelor's degree in marketing back in 2002. So welcome Steve and thank you for agreeing to join this podcast Beyond High Street.
0: Hi Jenny, thanks so much for having me today.
1: Really good to see. So as our listeners know, you know, we we weave through a range of topics. We talk about your career, the journey that you've been on, how you found your way to pharma, and along the way we scatter in advice to our listeners, especially students who are listening, and, and of course we have to take you down a, for a trip down memory lane. So I'm going to start with perhaps the most important set of questions. Why did you choose the pharma
0: school? Great question. And I can tell you I had some, some really quality help from my brother who, who uh, was went through the farmer. Uh, School of Business, four years prior to uh, to my attending. So, you know, I did follow in his footsteps, and I do remember growing up visiting him, but also going through the college search process, um, visiting other schools, especially where you know he was um, in the path to, and and then you know learning along the way and and devising my path. Uh, uh, from that point. So I owe, I owe a lot to my brother for where I, I ended up, especially with Miami. He had such great experiences there, and um, and I continued for the four years after and, and just absolutely loved farmer as well as, you know, broadly Miami.
1: Did you, you did marketing. Did you know all along that you wanted to get into marketing?
0: You know, I started, as I look back, even through high school, I absolutely loved science. And when I joined Miami, I actually joined into the paper science and engineering program. My freshman year, um, and taking the chemistry classes, and really had a, a plan and devised in my head that I was moving towards, you know, a, maybe a double major in, in chemistry as well as paper science. And you know, as I went through the curriculum and and learned more, um, my love of science didn't you know, didn't dissipate. But um I, I kind of grew and in, in both speaking with my father and my brother and, and others, it just, my interest in business grew. And I just don't think I was exposed to it at that point uh, in my life. And, and it started to steer me towards uh, farmer uh, and specifically in, into marketing.
1: Well, it's quite a change. So when you graduated, I see that you went, uh, you had about four years and you went on and did an MBA. So talk to me about why you did the MBA. And if I'm right, and my recollection and finance too. You majored in finance right. with the MBA.
0: Yeah, you know, early career was it was purposeful. You know, it was uh, exiting with the marketing degree, and I was very lucky at the time to have um, a very classic uh, marketing job: um, advertisements, direct mail, a lot of those those opportunities to learn early in my career. Um, but you know, as I've been building my career, and and we'll talk, um, I'm sure, about about supply chain. But you know, it's always been a path towards uh, a general management type role and, and, and approach. And for me to do that, I wanted to, you know, round out my career, also round out my learning. And um, the time was right for me at that point to go and, and venture into an MBA. Um, I was very uh, fortunate at the time that my company also paid for it. So it was, um, you know, a, a wonderful perk at the at the time. And um, also just my, my life being single without kids, um, but also having, you know, a bit of experience under my belt at the time, it was, just seemed like a perfect fit um, and moved out. And um And, like I said, you know, trying to round myself out, having the marketing, having some of the sciences behind me, um, you know being self-aware of some of my gaps, one of my gaps was in you know in in some broader business acumen, namely finance. and so i I sort of steered my uh, approach that way.
1: So what I love looking at your background, you started off in product marketing management, and you stayed in product management for quite a number of years. Can you tell the audience what does a product manager do?
0: Sure. You know, and when I joined early in my career, my first 14 or 15 years was in the automotive space and I was lucky enough to move from vehicle, you know, to, to uh, powertrain uh, and even into the aftermarket. And a lot of my power or my product management experience was in the aftermarket. So you really had to have a read on, you know, what were customer requirements, but also internally, you know, what were the you know profit pools and spaces that the company wanted to move to and, that's where I really kind of fell in love with product management was it's the ability to, you know, listen to the needs of the business, listen and have a a feed in from the end customer and devise a plan that is product-based. And I've always worked for product-based companies um, to grow that plan into, you know, into, into financial impact. Um, But it's broad based because in many ways you're, you're managing a program and that program is the product. And so you're, you're bringing in, you know, feeds from and expectations and programs from engineering. Um, you're, you know, you're working with the pricing groups, you're working with, you know, procurement, which is the space I'm in, I'm in today on, on, on what the cost levels are needed. Um, and all those blend together into really a successful portfolio of, of products that you manage from, you know, the origin of when you've started that product all the way through the life cycle. You know, uh, and having a successful, you know, uh, profit impact.
1: So, if I'm doing the math, if I'm doing the math right, you did six years in straight up product management, and then you did move into procurement. And just for the benefit of our listeners, you're currently Chief Procurement Officer at uh, Stanley Black and Decker, and we'll talk a little bit about that industry in just a minute. But Mm -hmm. what was the transition from marketing, pure marketing, into procurement? What 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 led you to do that?
0: Well, you know, it, it it keeps falling back into that rounding out my my career. Whether it was education, bringing in the finance, um, it was sort of pure play marketing at the time, and and that transitioning into into customer insights and customer experience. So leveraging marketing, but getting you know closer to the product. And you know, as I progressed through my career, I, I kept being drawn more towards the product side of things more towards um sort of the heartbeat of the business there and in the technical side and they'll never be an engineer you know i was finding myself it sort of drew that sort of science-based piece out of out of me and and i was finding my my um my, my home you know within within these product-based companies and you know at the time it's funny how careers work because i had a strong mentor who was guiding me through and we were talking about moves from finance and marketing and product. And he had a suggestion that I move into operations. And at that time in automotive, you were two real paths. You could, you know, of course go work uh, and manage maybe a a shift on, on, on the manufacturing floor, or we were outsourcing quite a bit of our assemblies and, um, you know, and 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 first level production, and so you could go in and and get that operations experience on the floor of your supplier. And so I chose the the route of of procurement, getting closer to suppliers, understanding the manufacturing processes that make both our sub assemblies and how they fit into our final parts.
1: And you know, now you you've been with Stanley Black and Deer here for a year and a half. Yeah. and and talk a little bit about the industry because I know when you and I met you know we were talking about covid and the impact on the sector that you're in i think it's been a little bit up and down so so if you can talk about the purchase cycle through covid and now as we post covid how that has impacted the business
0: sure you know in in my career i moved from automotive into industrial um you know when you're working at a a tier 2 level in industrial you're a bit insulated because you're feeding the needs of of sort of the uh, the requirements to make the products for the end customer. Moving to Stanley has been a great learning experience for me because it it, it is a consumer-facing company. Um, it's also diversified. There's an industrial angle, and there's there's some other business units that um, you know leverage some of my my background experience. But you know, moving into a very customer-facing organization, um, you know, exposed me to let's call it end consumer needs um, that they want out of our, our tools and storage um, products, but also the retailers. Right? So we're, we're, we're a kind of a two-channel uh, service model. And you know, COVID uh, for many companies um, brought great need and, and our products delivered uh, to that need through a cycle. And as we all know, and we all read about, the, the shift of consumer spending has moved from products as we were in our houses through the pandemic more to services and experiences and things. So we've experienced that, that shift just like many other companies have. And we've been adjusting our supply chain Um, and getting creative on how we service the the end consumer to to bridge the gap to what the future is going to be
1: just really interesting times too and i think you know to your point about having dual customers the customer and consumer and and just the swings and roundabouts the cycles that we go through in in different sectors i think you're quite an interesting time to be doing what you're doing at this at this point (laughs) Yeah, good. Uh, so let me move on to the trip down memory lane, and um, I've got a, a quick fire series of questions as as we move through. Uh, so when you look back on your time at Miami, who was your favorite professor?
0: Well, I will I will start with this. I am I was terrible at names uh, back then, and I still am today. But I never I never forget a face. But I can tell you as I think about that question, I can quickly get to my time in Luxembourg. Quite frankly, and there was a um, uh, there was a class marketing three seventy one. It was an international business class, uh, leveraging some marketing, but it was really more broad based uh, international business. And I, I loved the curriculum, but also loved the teacher. And it was really hands on um, by intent, and also through the through the curriculum. And we were able, you know, and, and through his guidance. Of course, there was your normal in in classroom learning. But we also ventured out for a trip, for a week-long trip, and we went to Hamburg at the time. Um, He scheduled us. We met with a a global uh, shipping executive and and their team, you know, just learning about the ins and outs. Honestly, it was one of my first ventures into supply chain, where I find myself today. The complexities of it, uh, the global nature of what we learned in that class, but also putting it into practice, speaking to some of those individuals, um, kind of fed my interest in working for global companies, learning, you know, different customs um, and engaging with, you know, customers and suppliers around the world. And, and I've been lucky in my career and, and how we've, you know, how we've been steering it to be able to do that and, and get, you know, global experience. So it's been a, a wonder, wonderful time. And, and I think back to that class because a lot of it was, was based on some of those experiences. At that time too, interestingly, it was, you know, around the time that the EU was really forming and they were bringing out their currency. And in that class, we brought in some guest speakers that were launching the Euro at the time. So it was really fantastic to learn that hands-on from external as well as, you know, bring it into practice in class.
1: Well, the good news is our travel is back to normal now. And, you know, I was able to shadow some students in Singapore and Seoul. And, you know, the students who came and said, what a life-changing experience that was. And it sounds like that was exactly your um, narrative from Luxembourg. What a great opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Good. What subject did you least enjoy?
0: Oof. Um <laughs> definitely calculus. I can tell you that. <laughs> I I you know I went through um through calculus in high school and then into sort of the expansion of it as I as I moved into paper science and engineering and sort of extending that that calculus learning. So it was it was always a difficult subject for me. Um powered my way through it, um, understood the the means to an end, but never never thoroughly enjoyed it. But uh so, I can so- I can.
1: Many students, well, many students listening will appreciate this uh, concern for calculus. So, what advice would you give our student listeners who are, haven't quite got to take calculus yet but need to? What, what would you say?
0: Well, you know, I, I think all of the curriculum is is there for a reason, and and I think as I matured um, from high school into college, I had an understanding that even when things were tough, there was a purpose and and sort of step back from yourself, step back from the day to day or the problem that you're, you're struggling with and understand the purpose of what you're learning and why you're learning it and that it's actually training your brain to be smarter and, and better problem solver in the future. So um, once I stood back from that, I, I think I had a better respect for what I was doing, why I was doing it. Um, and it took me out of minutia, quite frankly, and allowed me to, I think, absorb the, uh, the information in class differently and um, ended in a ended in a better result than I thought. You know, the first couple of weeks as I ventured into the class.
1: Good, that's very good advice. What co-curricular activities were you involved in?
0: Well, you know, I was I, I was part of a, a fraternity um, for the three and a half years or so there, and so you know, uh, elements of, of participating in that activity. Also heavy in the intramural sports. So, you know, I was playing basketball and soccer and broomball. Um, some I played in high school and was able to contribute others. I was learning for the, for the first time, but really, really enjoyed that, uh, that time.
1: What was your favorite time of the day for class? Like basically are you a morning person or not?
0: I was not a morning person at the time. My, as life changes, I'm now a morning person, but, um, you know, I wasn't and and would, um, you know, try to put things into the afternoon, but I did find um, I was not a morning to get up and participate, um, you know, in a public setting, but I did find I did better studying in the morning. So that was that was something that, you know, knew I had to learn about myself. And I found myself either in my dorm room or sometimes, you know, making it to the library, but it was a place where I could be by myself. I was alone with my thoughts and I was a, I was generating, you know, better, better um, study time and learning time in the morning.
1: What was your favorite night of the week while you were at Miami?
0: Well, for me, Thursday, college night. Um, and I guess it gets back to how I maneuvered my schedule at the time. I wasn't always fond of the Friday. I did have Friday classes, but, you know, try to get things handled in in Monday to Thursday and, you know, start the weekend, um, you know, on Thursday. And just gave you that extra day or at least a Friday afternoon to start to to decompress and, um, you know, catch up on some studying or, you know, start working and, and, you know, hanging out with friends and things that we can do over the weekend.
1: Did you intern while you were at Miami?
0: I did. You know, my senior year, I interned. Um, and, you know, it's interesting interviewing, you know, candidates now because they'll have internships for sometimes the full four years, three years, you know. So it's it's really impressive how it's um, the experience that the, the students are getting now Um, and when I was there, it was, it was more of a norm senior year. Some people were doing junior as well, but I did intern and I interned with, you know, my very first company Navistar at the time. And that relationship, um, I kept it, you know, uh, a heartbeat of that relationship throughout the year. And, you know, when I, when I left school in 2002, it was after, you know, 2001, which was a, a tough um, economic year, and uh, amidst other things, as you we know, and, and so from a hiring perspective, it was difficult. But I, I maintained that relationship, and, and was able to to move right into my my first career. And like I mentioned before, lucky enough that it played directly onto my my curriculum in marketing at the time.
1: And you're absolutely right. A lot of the students are doing one, two, and three summers of internships. So things have changed. and mm-hmm. But we know it's it's a really important precursor to um, landing a good good starting job. Where did you live in your free, uh, freshman year? What dorm?
0: Freshman year, I was in Dorothy Hall mm.
1: um,
0: in, in, uh, on an East campus on East Quad. And it was mm-hmm. the first year that it actually moved from all girls to uh, being co-ed.
1: Good. What's so, your favorite building on campus? Not in Uptown, but on campus.
0: Oof. Um campus, you know, I, I loved Upham. I loved that whole quad around Upham. Um, I had quite a few, you know, classes, as you can imagine there. But I really enjoyed being on the back deck when the weather uh, was good enough to do so and sort of looking over the, the wooded area and the slant blocks and, you know, either either just sitting and, and absorbing it or doing some studying, you know, between classes.
1: What's your favorite spot uptown?
0: Well... You know, I, I think my friends and I, we, we ventured mainly to Church Street, uh, Church Street Bar at the time. I've been back since and it's um, still Church Street, but it's a much more upscale than it ever used to be. So it was good progress to see. And um, yeah, we, we spent a, a lot of time there. And um, But, you know, I, I will say we also outside of campus um, moved over Houston Woods quite a bit um, when the weather was right, either to golf or just, you know, spend time. Uh, by the lake and in the open space.
1: If you look back on any part of your time at Miami, what, if anything, would you have done differently?
0: You know, I I found myself in the in the first two years. I found my my student maturity probably a little later than I than I should have. And um, and I, you know, I would think that's that's a that's a challenge that that not all students face, but some do. And and when you come in and you know you're in a new environment. Um, you have a lot of new competing priorities. Um, you know, I, I didn't find my student maturity until maybe the end of, of freshman year. And so, you know, as we all know, each moment counts, you know, in, in college. And um, I wasn't doing damage, but I also wasn't grasping every opportunity I think available to me. And, and sort of once I got my, my head in place, I understood where my priorities were. You know, I started to formulate what my future might look like and, and the goals I wanted to achieve. Um, much of that came into better scope, and I and I found myself living in the now more, taking advantage of opportunities both, you know, both personal and you know, and within the school and the business school, um, and I and I really finished strong that that last three years.
1: I'm glad that you raised it because I always tell students you come to a place like the farm school, Miami University, and there are so many gifts here on offer. And it's really up to the students to receive them because there's just an incredible array of um, extracurricular activities or or even within the subjects themselves, just figure out a way to navigate. So I'm really pleased that you raised that. Just, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I think it's, it's, some students figure it out quicker than others, but um, receive the gifts that are on offer.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I even speak to my, my kids that way. It's, you know, they, I, have, I have three children. They're, they're 12, 10, and, and 5. And, you know, when I, when I speak to my, mainly my 12-year-old, but he's in middle school and he's already feeling some of those pressures of what do you want to be? Where do you want to go? Even, you know, whether it's sports or school or what it may be. But, you know, I try to guide him on happiness is broad based, you know, and, and have a sense of what you want to do. Commit to your future happiness, mm-hmm. but never never allow yourself to miss out on the now. Because, mm. you know, that's where opportunities present themselves, that, that allows you the freedom to, to gravitate and, and challenge yourself in new things. And if you're only focused on the future and, you know, you're going to find yourself in a yeah. box that you you may want, but it, it's mm. hard to define what that box is, you know.
1: And I think I mean, you, you've raised something really important here too. It's, you need a goal and, and we, we need things that we're heading toward, but you know, if someone had told me when I was a student that one day I'd have a PhD and be running one of the best business schools in the States, I would have told them to <laughs> to back off, you know, and because you don't know what's around the corner, do you? You don't know what opportunities are going to present themselves and, and how you might feed into those.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm,
1: good. If you, is there a class that you wish you'd taken that you didn't take?
0: You know, as you venture away, you know, um, you you continue to focus, you know, in in your in your discipline. And and I did choose uh, and and gravitated towards business. But I've always had that that love of science, that love of problem solving. Um, I've found my path, you know, within manufacturing um, companies and and been working on that problem solving, sort Mm -hmm. of that science based uh, approach. But I do miss having you know, the ability that built into my curriculum that I, that I could have ventured down more science classes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can find experiences in different ways. Not everything has to be, you know, book or class learning. Um, and, you know, I've approached my career in that way. One, of rounding out as, we, as we've spoken about, but two, just in general interest, you know, you can gravitate to new experiences, new opportunities mm. within the, the business world. And, you know, if you have the right support structure and the right management around you, you know they'll they'll uh, they'll pull you over, or they might even push you over based yeah.
1: on your needs. I like that. So moving to the last part of the podcast is around giving advice to different audiences who might be listening. So I wanted, um, essentially, ask you to give advice, but think about two different audiences. Audience number one would be an incoming first year student, and mm-hmm. audience number two would be someone who's been working for just a couple of years.
0: Well, you know, for the incoming students, I I, I just think as mine wasn't. Don't assume your path is fixed. You know, don't accept what someone else's path may be or what you may witness from a parent or a friend or someone else that that's the path that you need to be. Um, I think some general understanding of, of what your interests are uh, and can just continue to push yourself to get to the next hurdle, get to the next um, evaluation point and then you can continue to kind of round out your career. but you know the path isn't isn't fixed. Um, and like I mentioned, you know living sort of living in the now, it's those experience that will one maximize the path that you're on or positively divert you to something new you hadn't been thinking about um, along the way. if I if I think about the early grads and and workers um, definitely push yourself out of your comfort zone. And, you know, it comes with the self-awareness, I believe, and, and being realistic in what your shortcomings are. That's been needed for myself as I've, as I've built my career. There's, there's things that, you know, I'm just not as good as others in. And, um, and it's an area that's going to round me out and, and just being self-aware of where you have opportunity to improve and pushing yourselves, you know, wholeheartedly, full force into those areas to improve yourself.
1: That's such great advice. So as we come to a close now, Steve, I want to thank you for your gift of time to allow me to record this podcast. What I love about being the Dean of the Farmer School is that we have incredibly engaged alumni who are willing to find ways to support the school, our students, our faculty, our staff, and other alumni. So thank you, Steve, and go well as you continue in your journey beyond High Street.
0: Thank you for the time today. Really enjoyed our conversation and um, stirring up just fond memories of, of Miami and my experiences there.